This episode of Harmonious Gentlemen is brought to you by Blind Man Brewing, makers of craft beer in central Alberta. Well, if podcast episodes were the percentage of the universe that consists of dark energy and dark matter, you'd know this has to be episode 96 of The Harmonious Gentleman. Fellas, did you know that only 4% of the known universe is things like planets and stars, asteroids, etc.? Of course. Yeah. yeah. I was a little surprised by the number. Yeah. Did you come across that in your, in your research? In my research. <laughs> yeah, my astronomical research for the show. So what's your... Um not like what do you know about dark matter? Not a lot. But if you, you had to explain it to like a five-year-old <laughs> and they said, "Mr. Kuman, what's dark matter?" I would say, "I brought my friend Graham here to explain it." Like you're I don't know. I think it's actually what scientists are kind of going. We know there's this other stuff out there, but we can't quite explain what yeah, it is. There's phenomena. Yet. There's movement. There's gravity. There's something going on. Dave, any chance you're a science teacher? I have some yeah. answers. Right. Okay, <laughs> awesome. Here we go. Um, a lot of dark matter is just regular stuff, dust gases, clouds, anything that doesn't emit light, we can't see. It's dark. Okay. So the only thing we see are the things that emit light or the things that reflect light. Small stuff we can't detect. All right. So that's what most dark matter is. Now, if you get into the physics, they've got all kinds of crazy physics theories and math that you can fill up eight boards on and talk about dark matter and dark energy. But (laughs) most of it's just like the dust lying around your living room. <laughs> nice. Okay. I can't believe you guys didn't know that. And then Tyler's sitting this one out. He's like, this is, this is obvious. This is. Tyler wishes you'd mentioned 96 is in the 96 Olympics. Mm-hmm. What happened then? I got to go to the Paralympics. They were in Atlanta, I believe. Yeah. And I got there right after the bomb. The bombing happened to the little right. village. In the opening ceremonies or? Uh, it was early on. Yeah. Maybe the bombing had happened a few days before we got there. But we got to meet Aretha Franklin. I'll tell oh, that yeah. story a different day. I think, ah, I think you have told yeah. it. At the time, I, I, was, I wasn't I was old enough to quite know how big that was because, you know, she's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Anyway, thanks for the intro, Chris. I'm Graham. Okay. I'm Chris. I'm Tyler. Yeah. I'm Dave. All right. Dave's here. <laughs> cool. Yeah, we got Dave here today. We're going to do a little election reflection. Ooh. Nice. Yeah. Very nice. Wow. <laughs> that was That's good. really good. <laughs> I'm writing that down. <laughs> Title cool. of the podcast. Yeah. yeah. Well, we can maybe, well, it's a surprise what Dave's relevance to the election is. <laughs> Not just a dude named Dave. No. I guess the title will give it away. But you'll yeah. find out more after this break. Yeah. These recommendations are brought to you by Cilantro and Chive, serving up fresh, simple eats while supporting their community and spreading the love. Sometimes when you're on Tyler's front porch with people that you're sitting with, you want to recommend things (laughs) to those people that you're sitting with. And so I'm going to recommend a behavior that you shouldn't uh, partake in at a a campground. (laughs) Okay. So I recommend that if you're camping somewhere, uh, you don't walk around at 1.30 in the morning with a Bluetooth speaker (laughs) blaring Phil Collins and yelling at your friends. Um, Mm. And doing multiple laps around areas where there's children and people like me trying to sleep. Please. What should you play? 
go to bed. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> was it a sweet drum solo at least? Yeah. It was. Uh, it was not. No, it was. It was. Tarzan like, soundtrack. Like deep, there were deep cuts. Like they were. Like, I, I only knew because his voice, but I guess it could have been Peter Gabriel. I get confused. Anyway, I recommend not not doing that. Right. Just it's passive aggressive. Just go to bed. But right now I'm on no sleep because of it, and so thanks very much. So you anyway. recommend following like the curfew or the quiet hours? Or like at just the relatively. Room. There's another group close by that was like they were talking after eleven. Some noise, it's fine. You understand. Yeah. It's just a music thing. It's like, you know, unless you're playing like the fallow years, turn it off. <laughs> anyway, uh, Dave, I have two recommendations. I One think, for yeah. a place to eat. Okay. Nice Mealy Oaks here in Lacombe. Nice. Amazing breakfast and lunch place. Go there, spend all your money. They're amazing. Say the name again. Cool. Millie Oaks. Millie Oaks. It's amazing. Um, and then for a TV show, uh, I've been watching Warrior Nun the first two seasons. Um, and it's really a lot of fun. It's not deep thinking, but it's just fun escapist stuff. I saw that the, the third season was happening. I've never seen it before. Is it tied in with the movie Warrior? Is it completely no, different? No, it's totally it's not, different. Okay. It's it's based on a comic book oh, okay. uh, out of Europe, actually. And so they all of the actress, actors and actresses are all European, Spanish. and Oh, cool. Yeah, it's very cool. It's called Warrior Nun? It's called Warrior Nun. Like N-U-N. Yeah, yeah she's a nun. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Two good ones. And Millie Oak, we, that's one of the, that's probably the, well, in my opinion, the best Lacombe uh, place that we haven't recommended yet. Yeah. We've been working our way through. My wife has told me to recommend that on the podcast a couple times. Yeah. yeah. I have enjoyed every meal I've had there. Yeah. Hadn't cool. heard of it yet. We should no, do an episode good. there one morning, like a breakfast. Yeah, we should. They also yeah. do catering. Yeah. yeah so. Awesome. They could cater to the porch next time too. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to recommend uh, our friends at Blind Man Brewing and just let everyone know how amazing they are. They... This would have been a few weeks ago now, but they won Beer of the Year at the National Beer Festival. In um, Halifax. In Halifax, yeah. So our friend Hans was there and, yeah, accepted the award. So good job mm-hmm. to Blind Man for doing that. The beer that won Best in Show was the Dwarf Cherry Sour. And I have had it. It's very good. Um, but that's not the only one you should have. They're, all right. their beer is great, as you know. This uh, might be our last chance to recommend them because they're such a big deal now. Yeah, I know. Are they going to want to continue to be involved? Well, and we come up now on our yearly sponsorship <laughs> yeah. review, and they might say, we're yeah. looking for to sponsor something They're like... sponsoring Criminal now. 99% <laughs> Invisible. <laughs> but we got them where they're at. Oh, that's true. That's true. I forgot we, that part of it. <laughs> I think if you overlaid our rise to fame, you would see that yeah. Yeah. line. Kind Even of, dollar for dollar. <laughs> yeah. yeah, good job, you guys. Yeah. Keep supporting Blind Man. They're yeah. amazing. Okay, I'm going to recommend a book. It's a children's book called Popcorn Helmet, written by the illustrious Andrew Kuman. And it's uh, illustrated by J.E. Surratt. Surrey? I forget how to say the last name. But a very cool children's book available on Amazon about a young billionaire, or fu- a young future billionaire, who invents a popcorn helmet. It's pretty cute. If you have kids, they'll like it. It's a little bit about science, a little bit about ingenuity, and a lot about thinking forward and doing good things. Nice popcorn helmet check it out yeah on amazon amazon and they print them on demand right they print them on demand which is crazy i got mine in two days wow well thank you for your legitimate recommendations you guys they weren't passive hey yours too i'm gonna i'm gonna take your recommendation next time (laughs) 
be cool if I had enough Next. like courage like to it. get out of the tent and say, hey, guys, what's going on? <laughs> yeah. What are you doing? Do you even know Phil Collins? Can I interview you for the podcast? <laughs> um, Tyler, do you want to give a quick uh, intro to our guest here before we hit the topic? Sure. Well, I was actually going to have him introduce himself, okay. but I'll, I'll, can I, I'm going to say both your names. Dave Dale, mm-hmm. which, first of all, is like the best... Uh, politician name mm-hmm. to put on a sign board during yeah. uh, campaign times like my my young children know your name very well because it's just so uh symmetrical mm-hmm. dave dale is perfect yeah um harvey had trouble with lagrange yeah that one's a little tougher yeah i have trouble but, too yeah we have dave dale here he uh well i'm after the break i'm gonna ask dave to tell us where he came from and where he's going so Stay tuned. Sure. All right. This harmonious conversation is brought to you by 5024 General Store, bringing skateboards, fashion, and creativity to Central Alberta communities. Check them out online or in beautiful downtown Lacombe. So my name's Dave Dale, uh, and I ran in the last election for the NDP in the Lacombe Panoka riding. Mm -hmm. Um, I was born and raised in Calgary. Uh, I've been a teacher for 25 years. Before that, I was a child and youth care worker, and I've been working with kids since I was 14 as a CIT at camp. (laughs) So I've been doing it for a long time. Uh, And I think as a teacher, I was really tired of the way the government was treating teachers and nurses and doctors. And I said to my wife, geez, if these guys win again, we're going to have to move out of this province because I can't watch them tear apart everything we've built over the past 50 years. Um, And she said, oh, great, where are we moving? I'm like, I don't know, (laughs) somewhere else. (laughs) Um, And then I heard that NDP was looking for um, candidates, so I put my name forward um, because it's worth fighting for. Uh, You know, I love this place. I was born here. It's it's my place, and um, I've been living in the little hamlet of Mirror, Alberta for the last 15 years and uh, it was just worth fighting for. So I got involved. And that was your first time being involved in politics? Yeah. Yeah. I've always been interested in politics and, you know, even back in high school there was like all the other kids in social class who were conservatives and there was me being uh, (laughs) New Democratic over (laughs) and having an argument with everybody all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, but I would say I've mellowed over time and I'm still left of center, but pretty mm-hmm. center. Mm-hmm. But there's just things that we need to do to make this province better. Yeah. To ensure that our kids have the same quality of life that we had growing up. Like yeah. for you, was running um, about running for politics or was it being part of the NDP party or was it a mixture of both? Or It was more about the politics. It was more about trying just a continuation of my role as a teacher trying to educate people about what kinds of things their votes mean people vote without thinking people vote because that's my team that's my color i vote my grandpa voted my dad voted i vote and i think you really need to stop and think and take a look at your local candidate, because that's really who you're supposed to be voting for, is mm-hmm. who's the best candidate locally. Mm-hmm. And then, what are the policies of the parties? Mm-hmm. What policies are closest to your own values? And if you're not looking at that, if you're just voting because that's the team, 
that they're the right color, mm-hmm. then you're doing yourself and everybody else a disservice, I think. I have thought that might be another, another avenue to educate people about the choices they make and the consequences of those choices. So are you going to, are you moving? Um, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Antigua sounds pretty good. (laughs) Oh yeah. They're going to need a teacher in Antigua, right? That's right. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Did you take time off from teaching while you ran? Like, is it possible to do... I was campaigning while you're working. I was nominated in September or October and I did both jobs and the job of being a candidate increased in difficulty the closer we got to the election until uh, May. And then I took the month of May off just to campaign full time. So for the month of May, I was on a leave of absence from my job and I didn't get paid and I just knocked on everybody's door. Yeah. <laughs> so you were campaigning in, a, in, a, in an area that it was going to be a tough sell. Oh, yeah. yeah. How, how were those on-the-ground conversations? You knock on people's doors. I'm just so curious to know how those typically would go for you. I think the conversation this time around was way different. There were a lot more people who were willing to ask questions, mm-hmm. who were interested in what I had to say in terms of our policies and platforms. Um, I mean, there's always the people who are just like, yeah, yeah, no, I'm not interested in close the door. But over a month of canvassing and knocking on doors, there was only three people who were rude and told me where to go and how to get there. I drew a little map, you know, (laughs) with some F words and, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, But that's a totally different place than campaigning for the NDP around here 10 years ago. Yeah. Where you're just as likely to get met by a shotgun on the porch, right? Like, <laughs> get your commie butt out of here. Um, yeah. So yeah. so it was really interesting. Um, and there were a lot of, I had a lot of conversations with old PCers who had voted PC and were kind of terrified by the UCP and Danielle Smith and Take Back Alberta movement and who were like, okay, well, what have you got for me? Because they were looking for a home. They were yeah, people, yeah. you know, they didn't have a home anymore and they were looking for somewhere else. Do you know what, like historically for this riding, what the, I guess we've only had the UCP for a couple of elections, but was this election, how should I phrase it, like the non-conservative vote, did that grow? It did. Okay. The non-conservative grow vote grew um we went from 14.9 percent in the last election to over 24 percent this time okay um which i was kind of disappointed with considering my opponent and the things she yeah. had to say about children and cookies um yeah. we'll get there but you know it was it <laughs> was it was a much more visible campaign like i've been yeah. living in this riding for 15 years i have never seen an NDP candidate. I've never seen an NDP sign. Yeah. And this year, my signs were everywhere. We had to make a second order of signs. We had to make a second order twice as big of the big signs and people wanted those on their back decks or on their front yards if they had a busy intersection. Um, So it was a much more visible campaign. and, And I think one of the good things is we made it a little bit more okay yeah. To have a different opinion than we're a conservative. Yeah, that's pretty cool. 
Can I just ask a lo- couple logistical questions? Yeah. You're, how do you get the nomination? How does that happen? So there is a riding association in every riding, and this goes for any party, yeah. right? So there's a riding association, and that riding association is looking for candidates, um, and you can put your name forward. Uh, I didn't know anybody in the riding association, so I contacted the provincial party um, and said, hey, I live here. I'm kind of interested. What can you tell me? And they put me in touch with the local riding guys and ladies, and they uh, and we went through all the procedures then. Um, I was the only one who put my name forward, so it was just a matter really? of being okay. acclaimed and uh, having the, the riding association vote to say that I would, you know, and I had to be vetted by the party. Sure. So I had to be vetted before they could vote on me. And that was a very interesting process. Um, uh, made a lot easier because I'm a teacher and you just don't post stuff because your kids are going to find it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? The guy who does the vetting says Digital history. Yeah. Right? Yeah, the guy who was yeah. doing the vetting says, I love vetting teachers. Like I was done with you in 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Hmm. Yeah. And, okay. So then, you, like, you're the candidate, and you're thinking about signs and all that. Is that out of pocket expenses? Like, you're printing. Uh, we raised the- a bunch of money, and this time around, we more than tripled the amount of money that we raised compared to any other election huh. that the riding association has had, uh, which allowed us to have a really, really nice and visible campaign office right behind the LMC in the Mm. Dolman Dental building there. Mm. Um, And that, we had people in and out of that building all day long, every day. Wow. um, Coming to get signs of their own, coming to ask questions. I would usually start my day there, plan where I was going to go door knocking, meet up with my volunteers, and then head out to where we were going to door knock. So it sounds like there's a lot more um, excitement around this party this time around a lot more signs like you said but you, you mentioned that the percentage of votes wasn't as high as you would have expected or liked what do you think that's is it just it's just so ingrained that it's so hard to push any further than that was it voter like apathy still um you know, i think it was there were less votes cast in this election than there was in the last that's like voter turnout really? was lower in our riding um and um because of the digital tools that we ha- that all parties have now i know that 61% of my supporters voted which means that 29% wow. of them didn't go to the polls and ha- for and whatever reason yeah, right like, what qualifies them as a supporter like um either in contact through door knocking or they've requested a sign or they've made a donation to the party oh, or okay. to the really um Wow, so, that's interesting. Yeah, it was. Um, and we had a pretty good get out the vote effort this time around. Always in small rural ridings, the level of volunteers is way smaller than, than needed to do the jobs. Probably about two and a half of us did the majority of the work for the election. Other people helped out by um, manning the office and delivering signs and doing that kind of mm. stuff. Um, but all of the organization, um, my campaign manager, um, all of the social media stuff that we did, um, that was all pretty much coordinated by about two and a half people. Can you see yourself running again in a future election? That's a tough question. I think there would have to be some changes. Um, there's a lot of things I would do differently. Uh, and I think that starts from right now in 
not just maintaining the volunteers that we did have this time around, but growing that number of people because to do the job well, you need a lot of people. And I'm, as a, as a candidate, you can't just go out by yourself and knock on doors. There has to be somebody with you just for your own safety. So that if somebody makes accusations, not a, he said, she said situation. Right. Mm. Um, and, and there's also safety issues, um, less because I'm a man doing the job as opposed to a woman, um, Catherine Swampy, who was running in Masquachis in just North of us. Uh, she went to one of her, um, forums and when she came out, uh, there was a note, handwritten note on her car that said the next MM, I missing and murdered indigenous woman. Oh my. Um, and, and the things that get said to female politicians, female people who are trying to do something to benefit the community, whether you agree with their politics or not the abuse and just horrible things that get said to them online mm -hmm. is, I mean, people said nasty things to me, but people said way nastier things to all of the females. And for the NDP who has more than half of the people who are running female, uh, that's something that's got to be addressed in. Is that happening yeah. to candidates of all parties? Yes. Yeah. Yes. To female um, candidates of all parties. Female candidates of all parties. Female politicians of all stripe, municipal, yeah. Yeah. provincial, federal. Um, it's really, it's really ugly. And I don't, if I was a woman, I wouldn't do it. Like it. Wow. I, I had a long talk with my wife because I live out in Mare mm -hmm. and I can walk to the whistle stop. So if those of you who have ever heard the news before, I'm sure are aware of the whistle stop. Um, and we had to really think about how safe it would be for her to be there while I'm away doing things every day. And if that was a concern that we needed to think about, there are some strong feelings. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think we've, had this question before on the podcast where it feels like the state of politics and discourse is just way more angry than it's ever been or polarized or yeah um, a lot of the online stuff you read and, and it makes it feel like it's more angry than ever and we've often said like is that true has it always been this way Dave what are your feelings on just the ramping up of uh, emotions you know nasty comments they've always existed I think they've always existed I think I think um, with the rise of social media and the anonymity of being able to make comments on people's posts without any consequence um, has really ramped that up. But also, Alberta's been a one-party state since the beginning of Alberta, right? Yeah. So in the first 20 years, the Liberals ran the place. For the next 40-some-odd years, 30-some anyways, the social credit ran, and then the PCs ran it for 44 and a half and then the NDPs won and ran it for four years and then the UCP ran it for four years um, and we're at a place now where people have strong feelings but we now have a two-party state where either party either the NDP or the UCP seems to have a fair chance of winning an election so that makes 
people who are more comfortable in that one party system and knew what to expect have stronger emotions and say things mm. that they want to go back to those times. Um, and you know some some of those times were great for Albertans, right? Like in the '90s after the la- after that bust happened into the early 2000s, we, we had a fantastic boom. Mm-hmm. You could get fifteen hundred dollars signing bonus at Seven <laughs> Eleven, <laughs> and if you worked there, you could for six months they'd give you another fifteen hundred bucks, and they were already paying you fifteen something an hour. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and because there was just such a shortage of labor, mm-hmm. and so everybody remembers those times and wants those times back and they think this is what we need to do and so political discourse is often framed in if we change it we're screwed yeah yeah right if we change it something bad will happen yeah Uh, and everybody who was not ever heard in that one party system is like we need to change it things are changing the world's changing we need to change with it in order to maintain that standard of living that we've all come to enjoy living in Alberta. I'm curious, uh, just this seemed like a grassroots kind of for you, like you're door knocking, you, you take that time to meet your constituents. What's it like in mirror where you live and you work close by, but you're, um, you must know a lot of people in the town. I'm guessing it's a fairly conservative. Oh yeah. You're running as NDP. What were like your casual conversations like, or, your neighbors, like what did, what did people think of you running for the NDP? My neighbors right next door to me were all supportive. They got one of my signs and this is what I, this is one of the things I learned while I was running. Every time somebody came to the door and I was like, oh my God, here we go. <laughs> it turned into, oh man, I love you guys. I'm going to vote for you. Exactly. And I'm like, you're like a 350 pound weightlifter biker dude with the Duck Dynasty beard. <laughs> I was expecting exactly the opposite. And my neighbor, old biker, used to be in the army, served in Kosovo, served in, you know, like all this stuff. If you looked at him, he would, you go, that guy is conservative all the way. He's like, no way, NDP all the way. Um, and so even in the little town, little hamlet of mirror of whatever 500, 800 people we are, some of our friends, gay couple, of guys who just moved from BC, retired there. The We've got Koreans in town. We've got a couple uh, family from North Africa. Like, there's, you know, the p- vision of rural Alberta is changing. Right. Where 10 years ago, I would have been teaching a lily white class. Uh, now I've got people of African descent, people from Syria, people from the Ukraine, you know, mm-hmm. all of that kind of stuff. And so those conversations, lots of people are like, yeah, no, go away. Mm-hmm. But lots of people are like, sure, we'll chat. They don't necessarily change their mind, but sure. they're yeah. willing to talk about yeah, it. That's good. Yeah, that's right? a good sign. You know, we, t- we had an ele- a pre-election episode where we tried to answer the same question, the state of democracy and the state of politics. And I remember, I don't remember exactly what I said, but I think I was fairly hopeless. Are you hopeful or hopeless when it comes to <laughs> where we're where we're headed i ping pong between the two <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah um on the one hand the things that people in the ucp and the leader of the upc or ucp have done um have threatened the foundations of democracy by interfering in justice issues by 
you know, when you've got two justice ministers who are being investigated by the Bar Association, something's not right. (laughs) Something's not right. When you've got ministers who people revile because of the things that they've done, and yet they stay ministers, yeah, yeah, how how can that be something that happens? On the other hand, a two-party system is way better than a one-party system. Hmm. Everybody talks about the Soviet Union and the one-party system and how terrible it is. Well, Alberta has been a one-party system for longer than the Soviet Union existed. <laughs> We've yeah. switched parties occasionally, but once we switch, that's the one. Yeah. And so having a two-party system is going to have growing pains because people always knew who they had to talk to. They knew what professional right. associations to belong to. They knew... Uh, you know, as a chamber of commerce, what did you? Who did you have to support and help raise money for to get elected so that you could get your pet project done? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now you don't know, and so yeah. things are more uncertain and things are more fair that way. Um, on the one hand, so that gives me hope, and on the other hand, it's like these people don't understand how the system works. Yeah. Come to my grade six class. I'll tell you how um, the political system in Alberta is supposed to work. And no, you don't have the powers of a U.S. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you can't just do whatever you want. Yeah. I'm going to take hopeful from that, I think. Not that I'm gonna yeah, go. I think like the growing pains. And you said it earlier, too, that when, when you're used to a one-party system and then you see an alternative, you automatically kind of jump to conclusions or the scariest option. So it's going to take time for people to learn. And I, I think in the last episode about elections, I, my take on the NDP is that they're not near as socialist as most Albertans say they are, right? And that's a that's one of the things that it was just going to take time, yeah. yeah. Right. It's a misconception. To, yeah. Did you get a sense um, in talking to people that there was like a particular issue that they were voting about? Oh yeah, healthcare. Okay. Healthcare, healthcare, healthcare. Oh, I'm every that's door, the one every that it was. door. Really? Every door. Every door, healthcare. Really? Occasionally, because they knew I was a teacher, <laughs> then we get into education. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I would have guessed the economy before either of those. Um, there were some people who wanted to talk about affordability issues. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But one of those was. Yeah. Healthcare. The healthcare, right? Healthcare. We need to fix healthcare. We need to be able to go do that. Yeah. Younger people, a little less, because, you know, I'm young, I'm healthy. I don't need to go see anybody. I I don't care if I have a doctor or a dentist or, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. older guys like me who, you know, see about 47 doctors a year. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, yeah, I moved out out from Calgary 20 years ago, but I still have my doctor in Calgary because I can't get one anywhere else. Yeah. So that was the number one issue you encountered. Like conservative voters who are voting this UCP because of that issue? Yes. Like I, Why? I don't get. I don't understand that at all. Uh, neither do I. Like they're concerned about how it's going. They're concerned about healthcare under the UCP. But Danny's done such a good job that everything's fixed now. Yeah. She told us everything's fixed. Yeah, that's. Yeah. And so look at all the extra money she got from Ottawa to put into healthcare. So it's fixed. Yeah. Uh, and I'm like, well. So they're they're not really dis- they're not thinking they're just, that's that's what they want to hear they hear it they it yeah yeah, yeah. it's it's the it's the part where that's my team mm-hmm. yeah i'm supporting them right so they all they have to do is basically acknowledge it it's yeah. a problem say it's fixed yeah move on and move on the george bush mission, mission accomplished sign yeah <laughs> 
So, Dave, you've been a social studies teacher, so you know your stuff when it comes to, to government and politics. Would you say you were a little naive now, having gone through this when you started? Yes. I would say that I was naive. I thought I knew all kinds of stuff about politics and provincial government because I've been teaching it to grade sixes for nine years um, and interested in it for most of my life. Um, but boy, did I learn a lot of stuff um, that goes on behind the scenes from parties and um, just elections, Alberta and all the hoops you've got to jump through as a candidate and the vetting process and everything. It was um yeah, a bit of an eye opener. Was there a point that you th- you kind of regretted it? At any point where it's like, oh boy, what have I gotten myself into? There was a couple of points where that is. Yeah. Uh, in my daily life, people think I'm an outgoing individual because I teach and I'm kind of crazy and I dress up in crazy clothes because mm-hmm. I teach and I do all of that kind of stuff. Um, but I'm really kind of introverted, so having to go and knock on people's doors. Mm-hmm all day long and then phone people in the evening and do all of those things. It was, it was mentally exhausting and physically difficult. Um, just cause I'm an older guy and I got a bum knee and my hip hurts and you know, <laughs> damn that place has got nine stairs to get up to the door <laughs> on my seventh hour of knocking on doors. I don't want to go up nine stairs. <laughs> so, so there was a lot of things there that, um, there were things to learn as you go along, and uh, yeah. it was a great experience. And everybody's asking me if I do it again, and if I did, there'd be a lot of things I'd like to do differently. But I'm not sure just yet. Okay. Yeah. What was your when you decided to run, and knowing that you were in Lacombe, Pinoca, that riding? Did you ever, when you started, did you? What was your goal? Like, was your goal to win? Well, I think my goal was always. To win, that's my goal. I didn't necessarily think that was a realistic goal in Lacombe, Pinoca. It's pretty right. blue, mm-hmm. a blue place, right? Yeah. Um, but really, I just wanted people to learn more about the election process and that their vote counts for something and that it has consequences. And I wanted, I wanted to make it more okay for people in rural areas to say, you know what? I am NDP, or I have a different opinion. Whether you believe in the Alberta party or one of the further right um, parties that came out, there was six parties on our ballot. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And three of them, one was a separation party, one Solidarity. was the Wild Rose, one was, you know, like yeah. the whole political process is about dialogue. It's about conversation. Mm-hmm. And so you have to be able to be okay to say, this is what I think without being attacked. And, you know, everybody says, oh, those NDPs, they're all socialist. Well, no, they're, we're social democratics. And socialism has little to do with what we want to do. Mm-hmm. We just believe that people are more important than money. <laughs> and apparently that's a radical How concept, <laughs> a radical <laughs> concept in Alberta. Um, you know, like I think... Yeah. Multinational oil companies can pay a little more taxes mm-hmm. if my taxes say the same. Back in the 60s and 70s, the majority of taxes in North America were paid by corporations. Mm-hmm. And personal prop- personal taxes were low. Yeah. And yeah. now it's exactly the opposite. Yeah. Personal taxes are high and corporations pay little to no taxes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So why can't we charge them a little more? Yeah. yeah. Was, there a, was there a point... 
like I live in Lacombe Pinoca and I um, there was a, a something happened during the campaign months where I thought oh man this might this is might get interesting here did you have a moment like that where you're like things shifted yes like maybe i do have a chance or more of a chance than uh, certainly when jennifer johnson made her comment about trans kids well that that was and it wasn't just about trans kids it was also about teachers and schools yeah. and i felt personally attacked by that um but also uh this is somebody's kid you're talking about here lady this is mm -hmm. somebody's child and the disrespect you've shown to those children is pretty upsetting. Mm -hmm. uh, and I thought this might be a turning point. People might just say that's two steps too many, mm -hmm. which is one of the reasons why I was disappointed on election night that she still ended up with 67% of the popular vote. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, which means either somebody agrees with her or that they ignored that statement because they thought something else was more important or they didn't hear the statement at all that's a possibility I, too i do wonder about people's news ecosystems yeah know, what they consist of and it was certainly in all of the local newspapers mm -hmm. in black falls and lacombe and pinoca and it was on the um signing 94 yeah. uh, I, i'm not a big country music fan so i don't listen to the one from pinoca <laughs> <laughs> So I don't know if they played it, but uh, certainly it was on the news. Uh, but there's lots of people who don't listen to radios or yeah. Yeah. look at papers or. Yeah, that's. I, I'm still thinking about you said earlier like there was less less votes ca yes. cast this election in this election uh, this this one than last time we had yeah um, just more than a thousand votes less were cast mm. this time around in wow. in this riding. So that whole incident. Um, speaks a little bit to our, the topic of harmony or disharmony. One thing we try to do on the podcast is talk about tough things from a harmonious angle. And maybe sometimes I kind of think that we maybe live in a bubble or in a way, place where that's easier to do. Is it possible to speak harmoniously in politics to remain harmonious? I would like to think so. I think... Like I said, we, we need to be able to have discussions and sometimes we need to be able to talk about uncomfortable things. Mm -hmm. When uh, an old premier told us that we needed to look in the mirror because we had the province that we had been voting for, we got rid of him in a hurry. Um, but really, that's the truth. And when I was, uh, I've been listening to a bunch of, of podcasts and Thomas Lukasik has said a couple of things that really stuck with me. After the election, he said, um, he was really disappointed in Albertans because they didn't take the time to educate themselves about the policies and the procedures that the parties were going to do, and they didn't know anything about their local candidates. And, and those are all things that you have to be able to do to have a functioning democracy, at least one that's Westminster-based like ours. We shouldn't be voting for parties and leaders we should be voting for who's best able to represent us at the local level yeah um and make those decisions and and when things happen like jennifer johnson winning 67 percent of the vote who do you blame for that do you blame the party for letting her run do you blame her for having those views or do you blame the people who elected her for not paying enough attention not doing the research agreeing with her or deciding something else was more important and picking her for that. 
But those are discussions that we all need to be able to sit down and talk about in a calm and rational manner, mm-hmm. which is not always easy to do. I do wonder if the voter turnout has something to do with people's feeling of their candidates in their writings. Like, what if they do vote locally and they didn't like any of their choices? That's like a possibility. Maybe, maybe apathy. I yeah. don't know. I'm just totally know speculating on the fly here. But I got a lot of negative feedback because uh, the party told all of their rural candidates to not go to forums. Hmm. Um, and there were some candidates who said, "Which sorry, which party? The NDP party. Oh, my it, party it, it told, told you not to go told, to forums. Yeah, oh. told us not to go to forums um, at all. At, at all because too much risk. Or there, well, traditionally, forums have been run, especially in local areas, by the uh, Chamber of Commerce, which has traditionally been fairly conservative yeah. and tied in with the with the." Uh, progressive conservative machinery of running the province. And so in the past, 80 to 90% of the people who showed up were just there to support the candidate they'd already decided to vote for. And maybe 10 or 20% of those people in the room were actually there to try and decide on anything. Um, And so uh, the NDP party has always felt that, that the forums are not a great way to get up in front of people you should be knocking on their doors and talking to them in person, and that's more valuable mm-hmm. and sways mm-hmm. more votes. Um, but I don't necessarily agree in this last election. Mm-hmm. There were people asking questions, mm-hmm. and I got a lot of negative feedback for not showing up at those. While I was out knocking on doors at the time yeah. when they were yeah. happening, people were mad that I didn't show up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's almost like the, the climate this time may have been more... Yeah. I, you know, I think more the, willingness to hear you out this time. Can yeah. you not agree with what the party tells you and do something on your own anyway, or is that? I can, and some candidates did. But when you're playing for a team, you're kind of trying to be a yeah, team player. Sure. Um, and there were consequences to making those decisions. Yeah. Um, and some of those people, if I was to decide to run again, I played by the team rules, I would be supported in that. If I didn't play by the team rules, then maybe I would be not supported in that. Yeah. Um, so there are there are things like that, um, and I also think that the party was worried about bozo eruptions, distracting everybody from the right. narrative, um, and you know, yeah. So not having those things said in public is is safer, mm. um, and they were focused on winning in Calgary. Right. Almost too bad they couldn't be more nuanced with their approach. Like there, there could be some candidates who would do very well in that in that environment. Maybe others wouldn't be as off the cuff. You know. Yeah, I think there's there's certainly there were certainly some candidates that they prepped to go to um, hmm. those events, okay. so that they could speak at those events. Um, but those were in campaigns where a lot of party resources were being sent there. Yeah. So like in Banff Kananaskis or the Calgary ridings or the two ridings in Red Deer that, that they put a lot of effort into. Those of us who were out in the countryside, rural, really rural, we got very little support from the party. Mm. Um, the money and the effort was being expended in those other places. What did, did you call it a bozo eruption? Yeah. I like that. Um, if you had been faced with a bozo eruption, do you think you would have been able to handle it harmoniously, knowing yourself? Um, well, 
I have taught special ed for many years because I am one. I make bozo eruptions every day. <laughs> it's nothing like reading a textbook or talking about science with a group of grade seven kids and talking about organisms, but you say <laughs> orgasms. Both if I could, all, if I could calm down a class <laughs> of grade that. sevens, <laughs> I'm yeah. pretty sure I could handle that. <laughs> yeah, you have training in that already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Is there anything that you? feel you would want to say or address that we haven't talked about? I just want to encourage people to take a long, hard think about their votes. It's the most valuable thing you have as a member of a democracy is your vote. Hmm. Make sure you put it where you believe it will do the best work. And whether that's agreeing with me or not, make sure it agrees with you hmm. because that's, there are consequences to voting and you need to be okay with them. Yeah, that's nicely said. Thanks, Dave. Thank you. It was my pleasure. Sometimes when you're sitting around the porch with some dudes, you just want to confess parts of your life to the dudes so the dudes can hear your confessions. And so my confession, Tyler, this is mainly goes out to you. Oh. It's a good friend of mine. And I owe you kind of an apology over the years. So I've known you for a long time. Um, Tyler knows this. But if I get something in my head, I, I, if I'm going to buy something, I talk about it. Con- I can't stop talking about like it. You fixate on it a bit? Yeah. And so there's a recent example that he, he's probably heard about this, I don't know how many times, but it seems like we go in the same circles. But I want to buy a new bass guitar. And he's heard about it probably 50 times. <laughs> and, and he knows I'm going to do it. He knows, yeah. like, he knows I just do it. He, he said, like, just do it. You're going to do it eventually. And I'm like, I don't know. But I will. Right. <laughs> like, I'm going to this week probably. Because Heidi just gave me the, the go-ahead. So anyway, like he knows you well enough that you're going to follow through on it? He's just like, why are you talking about it? Like, just go buy it, I think. Because like, I say it over and over again. And it's like, yeah. Well, in my office during my prep at school when I'm not teaching. Yeah. And I can <laughs> hear Graham teaching his grade nine math class. Yeah. I can... Like he's, I heard him say something about a purchase. It's going to be the guitar. Yeah. I had the kids then, vote on a color. So <laughs> yeah, I hear the whole thing. But yeah, well, I hear you teaching grade twelves, and I, it's all good stuff. Anyway, yeah. so Taz, you know, just it's in a, I do that. I, I obsess over things, um, even though deep down I know what I'm going to do. Hmm. So hopefully next episode I'm able to talk about it because I'm so pumped. You can rec- your confession <laughs> could turn to a recommendation. Oh boy, hit better. Yeah. Oh, I like it. Yeah. So Fine. what were you apologizing for? Just that, like, you have to, because we go in many circles together, you hear this stuff over and over oh, again. Okay. So it's, it's just a circumstance you have yeah. to deal with as my friend. So. You just wanted yeah. to hear it one more time. <laughs> and, I, and I got to say it again. Well, um, I can be judgmental, as you guys know, but in, in a specific way. Sometimes I'm judgmental about certain actors because of the role they played. So for a long time, I hated Robert Pattinson because of, Twilight. as you can Twilight. imagine, Twilight. What a crap book and movie. That isn't my confession. Whoa. I just didn't like him. But have you guys seen the the Batman? Yeah, which he's excellent in. He's also good in Water for Elephants and Tenet. I think he's a good actor. So today the Batman came on and I realized I think I kind of like Robert Pattinson. Pattinson? I'm not even sure his name. You should, you should learn his name, but yeah, Pattinson maybe. Uh, so don't be judgy of specific roles because even in Twilight he was probably doing a great job. Maybe. I don't so give know. give these guys another chance. Give them another chance. Don't be judgmental. Keep watching movies. He okay. was good in the, the Lighthouse too. Have you seen that one? 
Yes, very good. Weird, but good. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm going to confess uh, that I, when I mow my lawn, sometimes I'm kind of reckless and I, I'm not super careful. Like I don't have a very nice lawnmower, so I, I don't, it doesn't bother me if I ding up my blades or run into a tree or whatever. So I go pretty quick and I'm not really paying attention to what I'm doing most of the time. And a few week, a couple weeks ago now, I was mowing the edge of my lawn, uh, beside the, like a gravel lane, gravel uh, alley. And I, um, was just mowing down the side of my lawn. And then all of a sudden my neighbor appeared in front of me, just looming over the front of my lawnmower. And he taps on the front and gets me to stop. And I, so I did. And I looked up and he's towering over me. He's a pretty big guy. And he was very upset with me for shooting rocks from my property onto his. Um, and I, th- I kind of felt like he might beat me up. Oh, and wow. Like, like a, seri- uh, a serious confrontation. I was, yeah, it was, it was a serious confrontation. Like, and I didn't, ex- it totally surprised me. I just see him there and then turn my uh, lawnmower down. I didn't turn it off because it, it, the battery's totally dead. So like, I couldn't totally <laughs> it turn it off. Again. So it wouldn't start again. But so there's this low, like idling of the, the lawnmower as he's like yelling at me. And then I was super apologetic because I was caught off guard. It was fully my mistake. Like I, I know for sure I was shooting rocks towards his shop and like, yeah, I didn't deny anything. I knew that I had made a mistake. Um, but then I was rattled. It was sort of like, like it wasn't, there's nothing intentional about this. It's just, no, no. So, but my, there's a rock. I wasn't, there's more of a story here that I'm going to continue on. So, but that, the confession is that like I made that mistake. Um, but it was, and I think I did the right thing by just being apologetic. I didn't get defensive and stand up and be all, uh, yeah, like I, I was apologetic. But then I was bothered by it for a week, probably. Like I was, when I, I told Graham when I saw him, I said, well, I got to move. Like <laughs> I'll tell you what happened the other night and there's no other solution. I just have to move now. Um, but what I what I decided to do is that I would double down on, on being apologetic. And so I, I waited for an opportunity when I saw him out in the yard and I, I pretended to do some yard work so that we could, I could approach him. Hmm. And I, I did that. I completely doubled down on just being very apologetic. I offered if I've damaged any of like your siding, I'd love to pay for it. Like I've, I've been careless. I'll be, I'll be better. And I was at, I kind of had to do it just to see where it went. I was half expecting him to also double down and just like be mad, be mad at me and also kind of look at me as a, a weakling. Like, what are you doing? Like you're pathetic. Why are you apologizing again? But he, what actually happened was he apologized hmm. for the way he had handled it almost immediately. Like as soon as I came to talk to him, I said, I'm sorry about the rocks. He, he said, no, don't worry about it. I didn't handle that right. Hmm. Um, I, I apologize. Like, I'm sorry for, for the way I That's cool. dealt with it. So then we shook hands. And bro said, hugged? Bro hugged. Yeah. And, uh, the reason we call yeah. this the Harmonious Gentleman is because Tyler's middle name is Harmonious. Did you know that? <laughs> I do now. Yeah. That's uh, a it's, sweet. It's, I think the podcast has made me that way, helped make me that way. I just have it in mind. And I, I like for that. a minute in that story, wondered if this was you trying to fulfill your goal of getting punched in the face. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's not my goal. I've been punched in the face lots. Oh, we made that's Graham's. <laughs> I thought it was yours. I think it was mine. Yeah. My goal is to win a fight one day. Oh, okay. Right. <laughs> it wasn't that. Oh, that's good. 
good outcome. Yeah. Yeah. So the confession is the, the lawn mowing yeah, thing, but, but it's also a good harmonious story. Good on, I could yeah, fit really in. good. Dave, do you have a confession for us? Uh, I kind of have a confession. Um, I'm really a very private person. Not very many people, even in my tiny little town of Mirror, know who I am. <laughs> because if you talk about anything in a small town like Mirror, everybody knows yeah, right. <laughs> everything about you. So uh, my wife is even more private than I am, so I've been pretty private. Um, and it was a big step to running for office and talking to people and having newspapers interview you and all of that yeah. kind of stuff. Um, but the weirdest thing ever is walking down the street and there's all the signs with your name. <laughs> and the only thing that one-ups that is when you walk into the voting booth mm -hmm. and you look down and your own name is on the ballot that's been printed <laughs> by Elections Alberta and you're like, whoa, yeah. that's just weird. That's yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of people who know who you are now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and further to that, I was at uh, Pride in the Park on Saturday, and Janice Irwin shouted me out to the crowd that I was there. But even before that had happened, three or four people had come up to me, hey, you're Dave Dale, aren't you? Because they recognized me from a picture or whatever, and it was, yeah. That's pretty neat. Uh, suddenly, I'm not as private as I used to yeah. be, and I'm not sure how I feel about that. Yeah. <laughs> That's my confession. I'm not yeah. sure how I feel yeah. about yeah. that. Maybe you'll start to miss it after a while. Maybe you'll think, oh boy, get yeah. back in. Yeah. You never know. Does Alber Elections Alberta like send you some merch? Like <laughs> no. one, one <laughs> ballot or like? No, no, I get none of that. Oh. Although I do have, um, I do have volunteer um, papers that I had to sign and the, the volunteer had to sign when we were um, knocking on doors and stuff like that. And they have a special seal on them and all that kind of stuff. Um, and you either have to turn them back into Elections Alberta or destroy them yourself. Hmm. So I've kept my own with mm -hmm. some of my picture stuff. And yeah. I've kept mm -hmm. a sign in my garage up on oh, the wall cool. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, cool. Nice. Yeah. Well, um, Dave spent a lot of time knocking on doors. If you want to knock on our digital door, what should you do? Come knock that door down. HarmoniousGentleman at gmail.com. We love to get your <laughs> door knocking there. Sorry, that was yeah. the worst. I'm trying to go along with it, but never, it's, yeah. Email us though. It's hard. Yeah, you yeah. can email us. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if we have any shirts left, but you can you can try. Send us an email. Ask for a shirt. We may have some. Yeah. We might. Yeah. Tyler, I just want to like well thank Dave for coming out again. Yeah. It's really nice of you to, to spend some time with us. It was my pleasure. Um, I just we should maybe clarify too as a podcast. Like we reached out to yeah. multiple people. Tyler, do you want to speak to that a little bit? Like, well, yeah, I think we should just disclose that we've did email um, uh, candidates from different parties yeah. for this. Like yeah. we, and continue to. So, and, and we will continue to yeah. pursue. Yeah. So we're we're not attempting to show favoritism or no, no. anything. We're just, thankful that but yeah. Dave came. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So Adriana, return my emails. Dave, do you have an email that <laughs> still exists NDP-wise or is that like no longer, people can't get a hold of you I have anymore. Dave Dale at NDP... Uh, Alberta NDP CA. Okay. Um, and that one still exists for now, anyways. Okay. I'm not sure how long yeah. before the party decides that they're going to shut that all down again. But, hmm. um, well, I'm glad you were still checking it so that we could get you on. With yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. good. That's right. Okay. Well, I guess we'll see you guys next time mm -hmm. on the next episode of, of this podcast called the Harmonious. The Harmonious Gentleman. And here's Gentleman. the song.